It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. As country music grows and becomes more popular, it still remains the axiom that country artists are generally independent. My guest is no exception. He's Spencer Crandall, who will be performing at Stoney's Rockin' Country at Town Square, Las Vegas, this Friday, October 21st, along with Avery Anna. For ticket information, go to stoneysrockincountry.com and for everything about Spencer Crandall, go to spencercrandallmusic.com and you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And Spencer, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you come from Denver, which is, I don't think, known for being the home of country music. So tell us a little uh, bit about of us. <laughs> so tell us <laughs> yeah, you know, how that all so happened. It's so funny. I think, um, I think Colorado is not often in the country conversation, but my <laughs> argument, it's the most country. If you go out there, we have all kinds of country. We have the hippie country, the Boulder people, we've got the, you know, we have tons of farming and I went to school in Fort Collins. So you have to drive through a, a town called Greeley and it just smells like cow poop. And it's like, <laughs> oh, we're in the country. This is it. And you can't, you cannot tell those people they ain't country. They're like the biggest beef producers in the United States of America. So we love our country music. My parents were fanatical country music fans. And so I inherited it. It's who I am. And uh, obviously, I put a twist on country music, but it, it just, I didn't know what else to do. And I started making music. It's just where I had to start, you know? You mentioned your folks were country music fans. When you were growing up, where you're listening to what I like, which is old country. So were you listening to Johnny Cash, Porter Wagner, any of those kinds of people? Yeah, absolutely. So my grandparents and my great grandparents are like massive country fans as well. So Johnny Cash was definitely probably number one in our house of like the old country little willie nelson obviously Dolly, my mom's a huge dolly parton fan so all those folks and then um you know you got merle and just all that fun stuff i think then probably a little bit more of the 90s early 2000s country and then when i started to be like oh wait maybe i could do this is more like that rascal flats you know because i don't have the super deep twangy voice but what i have is, you know, a little bit more pop sense and melodic, you know, sense of pop music. So when I heard those guys, I was like, wait, you can take country music and the stories and also kind of do it in this different way. I, I was so fascinated with that. Were your parents supportive when you told them the news that you're going to become a country artist? <laughs> I think at first they, they were like interested and super supportive, but I wouldn't say they were like, you know, they, they never were like, you're crazy. I think they were just like, cool, let's see what happens. How can we help you? And I don't think a lot of people have what I have. I think I'm super lucky and that my whole family from the get never called me crazy. They never were like, that's a pipe dream. They're like, dude, we love you and we're here to support you. And, you know, my story is I went to go play college football. So I went from telling my parents I got a college football scholarship to be like, so I don't want to do that anymore. And I also want to do the hardest thing that ever existed. <laughs> you, got a so, you got a Grand Ole Opry scholarship instead. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun to talk about it now. But for so long, it was 
you know, sleeping in Walmart parking lots and learning to play chords in my dorm room. So it's not always as sexy as the opera, you know. I <laughs> know, but it's hard work and, and obviously it's working for, for sure. you as well. I know your, Thanks, sa- your sound has been described as a blend of country storytelling with non-traditional production elements. So that's a unique yep. combination. How did you eventually get to that point? In other words, you had the influence, as we talked about, of your grandparents and your parents with their focus on country music. You grew up listening to country music, but then you also heard new country, and then you created a third way to go. Yeah, it just, I I feel like I moved to town and I tried to sound like everybody else, and it just wasn't me. And so when I started asking myself, okay, so what's a Spencer Crandall song? Why is this different? Why is this not, why am I not just another 5'10 white guy who wears hats, right? Like... (laughs) (laughs) and that answer was look i always want to sit down with an acoustic guitar and tell a country story that's just who i am till the day i die i just want to write country songs it's my favorite thing in the world but when i go to produce them i found myself going oh wait what if we took this part of the justin timberlake song Ooh, what if i beatboxed instead of just had a traditional drum kit Ooh, what if we used program bass instead of a normal bass what if we you know, like I'm sitting in the room and I'm tapping on cups to get a hi-hat sound. And so I really love experimenting and I love production and especially production from all kinds of genres, hip hop, pop, EDM, even folk, bluegrass. Like I'm just pulling from all these things. And the way that I always say, I don't want to ever take something out just because it's not country. I want it to be in there if it's me. And so I'm okay if I'm not you know, the most country artist in the world, as long as I'm the most me artist in the world. And so, I don't know, it just kind of came out very naturally. And, you know, ironically, that's when it started to work. When people said, wait, I don't know what this is, but I love it. And I'm cool with that. I'm okay if people are debating what it is, as long as it's me. It's an organic growth. In other words, you, you took the time, you realized, yeah, I could go down this road, but why don't I just be myself and I'll take what comes. And as a result of being yourself, yeah, it ends up being you and and being successful. But are you going to give up the steel guitar? I I always love steel guitar. So no, that's you know what's so funny is that's like my number one. If you listen to this next album that comes out called Western, that's like the number one country instrument that I like fight for in the room because it really it's so interesting. Like you have the melody of the lyric but then you can almost have this counter melody with the steel and it's like telling its own story. It's both heartbreaking and beautiful. And that country instrument always that and the acoustic guitar, I'm like, I won't budge. I don't care what anybody says. It's just too beautiful. And I literally, when we track the steel guitar, I just sit there and I'm like, (laughs) the guy who plays for us is Andy. And I'm like, Andy, just play me something. I don't even (laughs) care that we're tracking right now. Just play. He's like, okay. Now Western's coming out this month, right? Right, October 21st, the whole album will be out and could not be more excited. Oh, that's great. And they can find out all that information, as I mentioned, on your website. And you had a, an album in 2020, Wilderness, as well. Is your approach different on the Western album than from the Wilderness album? I think the approach is similar. It's just better on Western. You know, I think that's the cool part about being an artist is you take the last thing you did and I always say like transcend and include. So what are the things I need to include from the last record? And I'm like, oh, that was so cool. I love that we pushed the boundaries or I love that I wrote like that. And one of the things that I'm like, ah, I tried that, but it didn't work. Or I tried that, but now I know how to do it because I, you know, I failed. I think that's really important. That's been a huge recipe of our success is 
we just dare to fail. We dare to do weird stuff. We dare to try. And that's what wilderness was. I think Western is like kind of us figuring it out and going, oh, we know who we are. We, we kind of understand what the sound is going to be, what our live show is going to be. And especially the storytelling of the entire album really took it to another level. So I just think it's kind of me to the 100th degree, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit more about your history. But before that, what's been the reaction from old country fans and obviously new country fans and then your particular fans? Has it been a positive experience from all of those three different types of audiences? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really proud that like we could go open for Cody Johnson and we could go open for Justin Bieber. And I really believe that like people are going to leave that show going like, again, I don't know what that is but I love it. It's like this weird country, you know, kind of third way. And obviously there are people who love, love, love old traditional country music. And so I'm not trying to be that guy. I just want to do it kind of my way. And so every once in a while you have a troll on the internet, but 99.99% of people have been super supportive and our fans specifically, you know, it's a life-changing amount of support. I played in Seattle last night and we sold out in Seattle. I've never even played in Seattle. So the internet is a crazy place. And I think it's a cool time to be in country. The, the genre is getting so wide and there's so much space for people to exist. So I'm, I'm so glad that I get to do what I do. And I always say this, like, I don't want to be a Diet Coke, Luke Combs. I don't want to be a Kroger brand, Cody Johnson. I just want to be me. And I think my people love me for that. And the world is starving for authenticity in a world of, you know, TikTok again. And people just trying to get famous. I think people want to hear real stories and they want to hear a piece of your heart. Now, after frequent trips to Nashville, and this was during 2016, you decided it was time to make that move to Music City and obviously pursue your career. Now, here's the interesting statistic that I have, and I, you can confirm it. You have gained over 2 million followers and 20.5 million likes on TikTok. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. I think it's like 2.6 million followers on TikTok now. And I think we just hit 250 million career streams. So the internet, you know, changed my life. If it was back in the day, I probably would have been sunk because I would have had to go to the bars and play for 10 years. And it's and such a cool time to be alive. Man. It is. Like we, and, and you, you can literally post any song on any day and it can change your life. You don't have to wait around for some big record company to wait for you to go through all those bars and finally reach a certain oh. level. Yeah, I think it's so cool because I'm completely independent. I don't have a label. I don't have a billion dollar budget. I just have my fans and we're actually going and doing it. You know, I'm on a self-funded tour right now, independently from the internet. When you really think about that, that's insane. There's no time in history you could do that. That's really incredible. And quarter billion streams, that's because people found the music on the internet. And I'm so thankful. I should point out that if you're hearing noise in the background, it's because Spencer is talking to us from his private jet flying across the United States <laughs> to Las Vegas. No, it's a bus. We wish. <laughs> well, with that many likes and followers, I think you should have a, a private jet. <laughs> so you've shared the stage with, with some artists, including with artists including Chris Lane, Dustin Lynch, Tyler Rich, Josh Turner. Any uh, interesting stories from the road, either by sharing the stage with the people I just mentioned, or just things that you've come across in your performances throughout the country? Yeah, a great story from the road is we were on tour with Morgan Wallen in 2016. 
So before he was anybody, I'm talking like he had nothing going on and he actually had like a middle part and he was trying to be this like rocker guy. It was a completely different sound. And I remember like at the shows, people were super into it. He wasn't like clicking yet. And I just remember he has such an incredible voice. Why isn't this working? And then they did a rebrand and it took off. That was like around up down. So I remember every night he'd hold out the mic when he was singing whiskey glasses, which is now eight times platinum. But at the time, nobody knew this song. It literally had like no streams. Nobody was singing at the show. And he would hold out the mic and he'd literally take it back because nobody would sing back to him. Three years later, I went with my girlfriend at the time to my hometown amphitheater and he played the same song and Morgan holds out the mic for people to sing back whiskey glasses. And they literally had to stop the show because people wouldn't stop singing it. Like they had to stop the tracks. So the difference was, you know, just a few years, but it's so crazy to see somebody, you know, the song was there, the voice was there. It just wasn't the right time yet. It wasn't the right moment. And it was really inspiring to see like, okay, a lot can change in just two years, three years. Like he literally went from the guy that we were on tour with that honestly, and I say this just because it's such a cool story. Nobody gave a sh anything. You know, when he got up at every night, all of a sudden he's the biggest artist in the world. And it was just so crazy to see him go from that to that, you know? I speculate that whether you hit the top of the charts or you're in the middle, or you just go out on the road and perform and you sell your albums on your website, etc., that you're going to be happy because you're doing what you want to do and you're not trying to be somebody else. Yeah, I, I agree with that premise. I really do. I think, you know, there's also, there's horror stories of people who have success, right? Quote, success, but it's not what they want to do. And that's a nightmare. You're trapped in a prison that you designed of this like, singing songs you don't like, wearing clothes you don't like, posting on socials things that you're not proud of. I'd much rather die on my own sword and just do what I do, do what makes me happy. The reality is, and again, kind of the irony is, I think that's what draws people to it, is when you say, look, I, I'm just, I do this thing. If the whole world needs a trumpet player, but I'm a triangle player, I'm still going to hit the triangle <laughs> over and over and over. And until, and you know, eventually enough people go, I kind of like the triangle and that's what it is. You just have to keep kind of banging the same drum or, or lack thereof. And eventually your people will find you. I think that's the perfect part of the internet these days. Humans will find what they want to find as so long as it's good. So long as it's authentic. And they may find it out through a direct search or through a friend referencing you. For example, I'll use you as the example or just somebody talking about a song they heard and they mentioned the album name and, the person looks it up and sees it's you, and all of a sudden you've got another fan, and then they spread the word that way. So I think your organic approach works very well, and I anticipate you will organically have a private jet. <laughs> well, I appreciate that anticipation. We uh, nobody wants it more than me, you know. It'd be nice to fly uh, fly back and sleep in your own bed, but <laughs> for <working>. now, <laughs> I'm super happy to uh, you know to be in the bus. Like I said, like completely self-funded, independent. We've, we've lived the van life. I've lived the drive myself around to play 30. I've, I've driven 22 hours to play 30 minutes acoustic, sleeping in my car. So it's nice to have a little reprieve. You graduated from driving your own car to having somebody else drive the bus. So yeah, exactly. success as far as I'm concerned. Now uh, you're As far be, as I'm concerned, well. <laughs> I met you, you're going to be at Stoney's Rockin' Country at Town Square, Las Vegas. Yeah. This Friday, October 21st, along with Avery Anna. Is this your first time working with Avery? 
Yeah, Avery is so talented. Oh my gosh, I found her on TikTok two years ago. She was literally like singing in her bathtub. And I was like, who is this person? She is killer. And I just followed along just as a fan. And so we went to put this um, tour together. My manager's like, well, who do you want to bring out? And I just saw that she had real fans. And I saw that she was a killer songwriter and a killer vocalist. And I was like, cool. Like she's an obvious choice. So it's been super fun last night. It's first time of the tour. And she has a song called Narcissist that, you know, has done really big things for her. And she said it was the loudest people have ever sung it back to her. And <laughs> it's just so fun, man. It's so fun to be a part of that. Is this your first time in Las Vegas? We played Stoney's with um, Lauren Elena in the spring. So it'll be great to get back there. And I went to Vegas for New Year's one year too. So it's a, uh, it's a fun place, man. I think in the last 10 years, country music has grown in Las Vegas, not just on the local level, but on the strip and downtown as well. It just, and there's so many permutations yeah. of country music and so many fans coming in for different things as well. And of course you had national finals rodeo year after year, which helped establish that as well. Totally. I'm fascinated with all the residents, you know, like when people get out there and it's like, you have Carrie Underwood and Florida Georgia Line and Luke Bryan, like the biggest ex in the world. You know, it's kind of that Elvis theory that people <laughs> will come to you. Absolutely correct. If you can establish a residency here, the world comes because everybody wants to come to Las Vegas. And if they have a That's particular, when you know you made it. Yes. And if they have a particular artist, such as Spencer Crandall, and they know that he's going to be here for a long time, then they know they can make, they can plan their vacation around it or a, a weekend trip, whatever it happens to be. So that might work out for you. And in, that way you can park the bus in front of Stoney's. And just never move it. <laughs> just change, I'll just, play golf every day out there, and just change the oil on the on the bus occasionally, and check the tires for air pressure. I think it'll be fine. That's easy. Yeah. <laughs> and you could save a lot of money to keep sleeping on the bus. Just don't drive I was about it. About to say that'll yeah. save us a ton of money in gas right well, now. Wait, I got a better idea. Stoney's probably wouldn't want you to park the bus there indefinitely, so you go to the local Walmart, which you're used to. And park the bus there and just yep. sleep in the bus. There you go. And you'll have yeah, fans I'll just, knocking I'll at your find my normal parking spot. Yeah. yeah. And fans knocking in the door of the bus wanting your autograph and buying your albums and <laughs> talk about retail merchandising. That could Love work it. very well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. I want to go back for a second to your beginnings because this is the interesting part. You were going to be a college football player, but what made the change for you besides the fact that you always were a country fan? I know. You were headed to, I think, Grand Junction to play college football. And then you had an injury. So tell us a little bit about what happened there. Yeah, I, you know, I had a football scholarship. I get there. I'm so excited. This is my dream. My whole life has been leading up to this. And I get there and immediately get two massive shoulder surgeries. And the doctors are like, please stop hitting grown men at full speeds. Like, that's a terrible <laughs> idea. You can't keep doing this. And so I was like, okay, well what, what else do people do? You know, it, it was so much my identity. I would go to a party and some people would say they're major and I would just say, I'm a football player. And so I didn't know who I was anymore. And in my sadness, in my brokenness, I found music. I, I picked up a guitar and I taught myself to play the guitar for the first time. And when I started writing songs, that's when the light bulb went off. It was like, Oh, I want to do this forever. This is incredible. So I just started posting. I started posting on the internet. I started playing frat parties for free beer. <laughs> and, and I would do that and just be like, I just love this. I don't know what it is. I don't, but I'm just going to keep going. And eventually I amassed like maybe a hundred thousand on Instagram back in the day. And I would have people DMing me saying like, Hey, what, are you in town? Or when are you coming? I'm like, what is this magical town? Everyone's speaking of this. It's and they're like, we're in Nashville. I was like, Oh, Nashville. Okay. 
So that's when I knew like, okay, I got to make the move. So I took some trips out there and I knew I, I was addicted immediately. I was like, okay, this is where the best songwriters are. This is where the producers are. If I really want to do this for real, I have to get out to Nashville and I can't wait. I can't, you know, I had a year left of school. So I made a deal with my parents. I was like, if you're cool with it, I'm going to finish online, but I'm going to move out to Nashville with a year left. And it's one of the best decisions I ever made, you know, that from, was very mature from the dorm room to the opera. Yeah, that that's a very mature decision to talk to your parents and say, listen, I'm going to finish the last year online, as opposed to, yeah. I'm, I'm quitting it all together to pursue music. I'm actually going to finish it and pursue music. Yeah, it felt doable. I mean, I actually had to take a semester off because I got on that Chris Lane Morgan Wallen tour and life got hectic fast. I remember I was getting off stage and literally I'd be like, thank you so much. And I'd go into the green room and finish my paper that was due at midnight. So you know, we've, we've been out here grinding for a while and uh, <laughs> it was definitely worth it. My grandparents remind me all the time how cool it is that I finished my college degree. That was very important to them. And it's just, a, I think it's a cool thing to finish what you started. And I had a year left. So I was like, okay, my parents have supported me this whole way. I get the degree and I'll do music. And, you know, it's a marketing degree. So I technically use it every day. Yes, I think you could justify it and rationalize it. And I agree with you. So that, that works. You mentioned, as, and I mentioned, two Grand Ole Opry. Now you're in Music City. Did you get a chance? Well, I'm sure you must have to go and visit the Grand Ole Opry. They, I know they moved the center stage into the new location. Have you been to both or just the new one? Been to both. I've been to the Ryman when they do the Opry there, like in the wintertime, which is really cool. I've been to the Ryman just as a fan. I've been the Opry as a fan a bunch of times. And then obviously it just made my Opry debut a couple weeks ago. So excellent. You know, it's like, it's those kinds of, those kinds of moments where you're like, we're not in the dorm room anymore. You know, <laughs> it makes you feel like we're doing something right. I'm not crazy. I hear from a lot of people I talk with that have performed at the Grand Old Opry that there's a vibe you get when you're performing there. Did you get that vibe? It's weird. It's like, it's so surreal. And it, you just feel like you are, becoming a part of this thing and it's living it's breathing it's history it's culture and just to be invited into that you really you know there's pictures of elvis and johnny cash and dolly parton and taylor swift and darius rucker and keith urban like these are the people the people who inspired me to get into music and the people who i'd listen to in my truck in high school and so it's just really cool to kind of continue the tradition of that entire thing and it's it's such an institution. It's such an honor to be a part of it. And I was a wreck the whole day. I was just emotional. And I, every five minutes, I'd look at my parents and they were crying. So they'd make me cry. So it was a lot, a lot, of, lot to take in. I'm glad you got a chance to perform there. Are you going back to the, the Grand Ole Opry at some point? Yeah, that's the hope. I mean, they always say once you're in your family. So I'm sure we'll uh, have a few more appearances soon. Before I let you go, tell us what you're going to be doing in your set at Stoney's. Yeah, I mean, I like to keep a super high energy set. So we'll be playing a ton of the new album, which will be super exciting. A couple of the songs for us that have really changed my life, like My Person and Made and Things I Can't Say. We always kind of end with those. And um, we have a super fun pop medley that we've put together. It's like seven minutes of just hit songs back to back to back to back. So if that's all you came to see, it'd be worth it. It's, it's really fun. And when you perform on stage, do you find that the audience, most of the times that you're on stage, is a mix of people that are diehard fans and then people who are coming to see you for the first time? It's been so interesting. Like last night in Seattle, I asked who it's their first Spencer Crandall show. And it was 
95% of people's first shows. So, you know, that was incredible. And then obviously you have a couple of people who have been there from the get. They'll be like, I saw you in 2016 with so-and-so. So it's cool. I think it's a mix. Well, I think too that your marketing degree helps and you probably could have surveyed each audience as you perform to get a sense of the demographics and first-timers yeah, versus diehard fans. Yeah, I could see that working out really well. One last thing before I let you go, which I said I would let you go, but let me go one last thing. And what are you, looking ahead five to 10 years, do you have a specific goal in mind or just going to stay true to what you're doing and grow organically? Yeah, my goal's always been pointed at playing a football stadium. You want to do that as a football player, but Correct. the shoulder injury <laughs> prohibited that. So this is another way of getting into yes. the stadium. Yeah, Think, Things change. So it's exactly, exactly. <laughs> the stadium was always the goal. I guess it now went from uh, tackling people against their will to now singing love songs. So it's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Spencer Crandall. <laughs> he'll, be he'll be performing in Stoney's Rockin' Country at Town Square, Las Vegas, this Friday, October 21st, along with Avery Anna. For ticket information, go to stoneysrockincountry.com. And for everything about Spencer Crandall, go to spencercrandallmusic.com. And you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And Spencer, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. I had a blast. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Las Vegas.